What is the environmental impact of film? And can we make filmmaking a sustainable practice? How? Where do we start? Welcome to In Her Lens, Season 3, Climate and Film. My name is Nadine and I am your host. And this podcast is dedicated to centering underrepresented perspectives in the film and television industry. This week, we welcome Jennifer Sandoval. Jennifer, who uses she, her pronouns, is the Director of Business Development at Earth Angel. Earth Angel is a full-service sustainability consulting agency based in New York, LA, Atlanta, and Toronto. She is a sustainable production specialist, previously working as a production coordinator for Creative BC, British Columbia, Real Green program. Her work focuses on helping productions and other film industry stakeholders to measure their impacts, strategize ways to reduce them, to work with crew members in the supply chain to integrate new systems and apply creative solutions to their work processes. Jennifer holds a certificate from the Sustainable Business Leadership Program, and she is also a member of the Washington State Bar. In this episode, Jennifer and I specifically break down the different core areas that make up a sustainable consultancy in film and television, and the model that Earth Angel has built. That includes elements like working on corporate strategy, on-set crew and cast collaboration, material recovery, vendor procurement, and the essential data collection. This is really core to Earth Angel's value of quantifying effort and building frameworks. Jennifer talks about how she first entered this field by her research into electrical generators. She talks about how she navigates the infrastructures that are currently in place. We talk about money, about data, about how things differ between short and long form, between independent projects and big tentpole productions. It's really a jam-packed episode, and I cannot wait to take you along. Okay, I am going to be quiet now. I'm done talking. I'm going to pass the baton over to Jennifer. Here is Jennifer Sandoval on In Her Lens. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining In Her Lens and being a part of this third season already and of this Climate X film season. To start off, I usually do kind of like a rapid fire thing, but I've changed it for this season. It'll be four questions based on the seasons. Would you like to answer them? Sure. Alrighty. The first question is spring. What is the first thing that you do in the morning? Um, Kind of the same thing I do every season. I <laughs> pretty much go straight for the coffee. <laughs> um, but yeah, or, you know, maybe take out my dogs because mm. they're always, you know, that's kind of the first thing I do every season, every day as well. Mm -hmm. Every morning. <laughs> A summer inspired question. If you could go to any concert of any artist alive or past tonight, who would you go see? Tonight. In fact, I am going to concert tonight. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if this is who I would, if I would, you know, ever, you know, everyone, <laughs> out of everyone, but I'm very excited because I've never seen them before, but I'm going to see the cure tonight. Oh my Vancouver. gosh. That is a right? very good one. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. Oh, fun. <laughs> An autumn inspired question, but I feel like you've already answered this. The question is coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. I would say coffee. <laughs> 
and a winter inspired question. Do you have an affirmation or a resounding word that you carry with you? Um, just nature. I like to get outside in every season, but winter is always nice here because uh, we do have a lot of outdoor, you know, things to do like sports yeah. and stuff and skiing and that kind of thing. Nature person. Alrighty, Jennifer, you are the director of business development at Earth Angel. It is a full service sustainability consulting agency, and you are also a sustainable production specialist. Earth Angel's mission is an action really is to integrate a method for environmental accountability in the entertainment industry. And you create practical, practical and efficient solutions to some of these issues. That is the work that you do today, but I'd love to talk a bit about you before you started doing the work that you're doing. Will you share a little bit about yourself? Introduce us where you were born, where you currently reside, close to Vancouver. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. All the time, almost. And before the cure, obviously. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. Yeah. So I am not, so I'm based in Vancouver now, but I wasn't always, I was not, I'm not from Canada. Mm-hmm. My, my parents are actually from the Philippines and they emigrated okay. to the United States. And then that's where myself and all my siblings were born. And I grew up in a state called Wisconsin in the U.S. Uh, the cheese state, as they sometimes say. <laughs> yes, yes, the dairy state. Yep. And I grew up there till I, you know, through high school. And then I went away to school, um, to college in Southern California. And then just kind of never went back to the Midwest. Over that. I just really like the Western part of the United States so much. I mean, in terms of doing stuff outside, I'm a huge outdoor person. And, and definitely back then I was a way bigger outdoor person when I was more mobile, but yeah, just kind of really got to appreciate being in the great outdoors, you know, just, I think that's really where my, my passion for sustainability and um, conservation really kind of blossomed. Mm. I've always been somebody that does like active stuff outside, but you know, you know, in California, it's kind of like in Southern California anyways, the weather's perfect every day, so you have no excuse to not go outside. And, oh, it's just beautiful, the ocean, and, and I love the ocean. And then after that, I actually moved to Utah, where I got to love, you know, I developed a real love for the mountains, mm. and then moved back to California. And so I've kind of bounced all over the place, but, mm. um, you know, I've had several careers, probably, you could say, have have worked in kind of in nonprofit world from, you know, kind of public sector for most everything I've done. I did actually attend law school and so worked as a uh, a criminal prosecutor for a short stint before we moved to Canada. And um, all along the way, I have to say from as long as I can remember practically, I've been very interested in sustainability and sustainable development. A big part of my past is also traveling so I've traveled in lots of places, lots of developing places. And I'd maybe say, you know, the one place that really struck a chord for me in terms of environmental justice and sustainable development was that I worked and I did volunteer work. I'm a serial volunteer for everything, basically. And um, I uh, went to Bhopal, India. And I'm not sure if you can remember, it's probably 
you know, way before your time, but it's the site of probably the world's worst industrial accident mm. where a, a chemical that was being stored by a pesticide company leaked into the surrounding community and like instantly, you know, killed people and, mm-hmm. and people were suffering from all kinds of health, you know, uh, problems be- related to the exposure to this awful methyl isocyanide uh, poison that they use for pesticides. And, um, you know, what it did is it created this kind of very long-term health effects, like through generations. So by the time that I went there with my husband and I and our, our young daughter, we went there in 2000 and we worked, we did volunteer work for a Sambhavana clinic, which mm-hmm. administered long-term health care to victims of the gas disaster. And I started to kind of learn more about the about what happened there and how did that happen and how could that happen, you know? Right, right. And I just started to think a lot about the responsibility of multinational corporations that are operating in places like India and other, you know, you know, developing places where they have a lot more lax regulations and they, you know, put these pesticide, you know, storage companies in these very poor areas. Mm-hmm. And just really starting to think about like the injustice of of how of of that situation, but then started to look at it in a more broad sense. And that's actually when I decided to try to study this more in, right. in law school. Right. So mm-hmm. I that, I applied for law school after I got back from that because I wanted to learn more about corporate social responsibility. You know, CSR mm-hmm. was like cut to find out that they really didn't have any, <laughs> they really didn't have any classes on that in right. law school. You know, there are like certain, you know, international kind of tort laws, but nothing that really was, you know, had any kind of teeth, right? I mean, they're, you know, international criminal court and human rights, but really nothing that really held companies accountable. So I just kind of started to look at business law and corporate law, but then if I wanted to learn about kind of more the environmental regulation side, like I had to do interdisciplinary studies with the normal university. And I did, Mm -hmm. I took courses on environmental studies everywhere I've gone. I've really just tried, you know, cause sustainability is the type of thing where it's like, you don't have to, you know, there's all these green jobs now, (laughs) you know, people ask me all the time, like, Oh, how can I get into sustainability? And I'm like, you can be sustainable wherever you are. It doesn't matter what job, doesn't matter what industry, there is a place for sustainability in every in everything we do and every person can do something. You know, I worked with as as a volunteer um, on a board for the uh, Network for Business Innovation and Sustainability, where we work with big companies like Starbucks and Nike and just looking at their practices and and you know their business models. I, I finally went uh, and did sustainable business leadership course at mm-hmm. uh school called BCIT business. Um, and what does that mean exactly? What are the elements of a course like that? So what it is, 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 it's kind of like, a it's kind of tangentially related to the business school. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like a business degree, even though now they have a diploma for this, but it's kind of learning about how to integrate sustainable principles into business. Right. Right. So what we did is we looked at different sustainability, you know, different business models that value different 
principles and ways of doing things and and different approaches to the idea of profit and value and entrepreneurship. So, Mm. you know, looking at things like co-ops and B corporations and social enterprise. Mm -hmm. And um, there's just all different ways that we can do business now that actually takes into consideration a lot more of the, you know, what they call externalities and internalizes them to actually prioritize them and make them material to really, to the business itself. Right. Right. So kind of like incorporating these into like the ethics of your business and the, the, the bylaws and so forth. So one of the projects I had there was to work with a small manufacturer called Portable Electric Mm -hmm. um, that made portable electric generators, their power units. And my project for this to to do research for this company was to see what kind of, you know, do some market research into how can this, you know, how would this particular product possibly be able to integrate into film production Mm. and decreasing the reliance on diesel generators to power film sets. And so just kind of, you know, and Vancouver has a very active, successful business or film industry here. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of American studios that are producing shows and films here. So I just kind of immersed myself in what was happening Mm -hmm. from a sustainability standpoint. And it was somewhat, somewhat of a nascent movement at the time. It was, you know, had been, been developing over the last probably decade. But when we came in, you know, it was like having these conversations, like, one by one with like a production company or a studio. And it was very kind of like one off, you know, like we'd work on maybe like one or two different productions a year. And Uh, the people that you were working with, did they come from similar backgrounds as yourself or what kind of people did you find yourself working amongst in your early days? Well, so at that time I worked for a company called GreenSpark Group. Mm-hmm. And they are a, a sustainable production consulting company as well. And they serviced a lot of the productions in this area, in the, you know, Vancouver area, basically. They were very active in promoting sustainable production from the, you know, from a, at a policy kind of level with uh, the BC Film Commission. And they were, uh, we re-coordinated the Real Green Initiative, which is kind of the sustainable production initiative that is overseen by the BC Film Commission, but it's actually supported and funded by industry stakeholders. So studios, vendors, production companies, unions, guilds, like it was amazing to see how people came together in Vancouver and, um, you know, created all of these, these initiatives. We had, you know, regular monthly meetings where we would invite anybody from the film industry to come and talk about circular economy, how we can do things different for every single department. Two years ago, I started working with Earth Angel, which is where I am now. Mm-hmm. And Earth Angel is also a sustainable production consulting company. And their operations are mostly in, have been in the U.S., But since, you know, since I came on, we opened a Canadian subsidiary and we're doing some work in Vancouver, um, but most of the work we do in Canada so far has been in the Ontario, Toronto region, Toronto, Ontario region. Yeah. 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 So kind of just 
that's where I am now, I guess. Yeah, which is like such a Ooh, crazy cool. Water after that one. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really cool and interesting and also feels like such a natural progression story in the senses of following talents, intuition and mm-hmm. interest. I think that that is something that I'm like caring and admiring very much. When you first started working with Earth Angel, maybe with people who are unfamiliar as to what actually happens at a consultancy, can you break down in short what maybe the first four to five main focuses are of that of Earth Angel and of a company like Earth Angel? Yeah, absolutely. So Earth Angel, so Earth Angel, I would say it's probably, you know, really a pine, I would call them a real pioneer in terms of mm-hmm. sustainable production. Uh, the CEO and founder, Emily O'Brien, you know, she was, she has a film background. She went to NYU for film school and then she started working in the film industry and just really kind of noticed how things were just very wasteful um, and really wanted to try to encourage people to do things differently. And so she was working as kind of an eco, you know, coordinator on a the amazing Spider-Man two, I think. Um, this is, I think it was in like 2013, like it was a while ago, but it, it's still considered to be one of the greenest, you know, uh, feature productions like in, in film history. And definitely one of the first to take this on on such a large scale. Mm. But so from that, she built this 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 wonderful company, and we are now working in different regions. But really, our main kind of focus of our work is providing sustainable production support for film and television. We mostly have done like long form productions, like you know a feature or like a series, but we also um, recently have been doing a lot more work in short form, such as commercials and live events, Mm -hmm. um, because everything is, you know, it's, it's a production, right? It's like, it's kind of, it's all this, but sometimes we call it like a, like a moving circus, you know, (laughs) it's just like you set everything up and you take it down and you move away and you do the next thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, depending on, on, will get brought on sometimes by either the production itself or by a studio. And we, you know, basically tackle almost every project in a similar way. I mean, Mm -hmm. even though I have to say that it's difficult in an industry like film to really standardize practices because everything is so different. Mm -hmm. Everything is so temporary and you're moving, you're dealing with different crews every time. So trying to standardize and engage and educate in a, with a blanket approach is doesn't really work in mm. film. Like you literally have to do it like show by show by show. Right. Which can be really hard. You know, the shows have different budgets. The shows have different producers. The shows have different directors. So you constantly have to be communicating and working with, with people and their vision and like their budgets. <laughs> and right. so, you know, it presents different challenges in for every single, you know, production, but we basically will start with speaking to the producers or whoever, you know, hires us and then helping like hearing like what are they interested in doing? You know, if they don't know, then we'll say here's some thing, here's five things that you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And then we always have to consider what is it going to cost because that's just reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like monetarily, like that's a really interesting thing that I think we should talk about. And like, uh, there's always two 
little, it seems, mm-hmm. and sometimes in other places or misplaced. Yeah. How is the financial flow into this sector and how has it changed? Have you seen it change? And mm-hmm. like, what are the monetary realities of it? Like how much does it cost, for example, to hire Earth Angel? Yeah, well, so it will it will vary depending on the like kind of the scope of the project, right? So if mm-hmm. like, you know, it's something that has like, tons of location days with like tons of background and it's like major production, they're building huge sets, you know, it might be more costly to, to hire us because mm-hmm. that it's just that much more strategy and sourcing and that we have to do. But just from a financial perspective, it, it is challenging. Just, you know, I don't think it's really different than any other industry or any other business, right? It's like, I always say, and and we learned this back in, you know, my sustainable business leadership course, it's like, you can have the best intentions and set up this, you know, wonderful social entrepreneur business, but if you don't have money, you can't do anything, right? So you have to really, really prioritize the bottom line, just like in any other business. So what that means in reality is that productions really realistically can't do everything. Right. Mm. Like, so most of the time, a lot of times when they bring on um, Earth Angel, it's kind of very late in the game, you know, where budgets yeah, are yeah. locked. Right. That was yeah. going to be my question, too. Like, how often is it from, oh, we have a finished script versus like, yeah. oh, we are days away or weeks away? Um, yeah. Is there an average on when you get brought in or does it differ? It definitely differs. But I would say it's more close to the latter, right? Like there's some days where we're brought in, like they've already started shooting, right? So Mm -hmm. we're scrambling to kind of, because once you're already in it, or even days before, weeks before, like your vendors are hired, your budgets are locked. So coming in, you know, you really have to be creative. And I think one of the biggest values that Earth Angel brings to productions is really breaking down, understanding what the costs are. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and it's not, you know, it's by no means are we like perfect. I mean, this is sort of a thing that is somewhat, I guess you could say somewhat new that whenever we approach a project, we literally will come with a budget and saying like, here's all the sustainable like things that we think would be great. You could do, here's how much they cost. And then they kind of have to, we have to work with them to do make, make a plan and strategize like what's realistic. Right. 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 And, and it will always vary. Like some, I think productions may receive some subsidy from a studio, but that's nothing that's like established, you know? Right. So, but I do know that studios now are really looking at trying to integrate sustainability at some level across the board. Yeah. Right. Because they're, yeah. And if you had, uh, if you could choose, when do you think it's best to bring a company like Earth Angel onto a project, onto a production? What stage well, do you think it's most conducive yeah. to talking for the whole thing? Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, I think it is the best option in the script stage, like from yeah. the very beginning, because not only this film is interesting and unique in a way that they have a lot of influence to affect, you know, social change and behavior. And so there's a big focus and this isn't really earth angels focus like that much, but we do work sometimes, you know, on the, on the, you know, if we have the opportunity to introduce ideas of climate storytelling and 
introducing sustainable behaviors on the screen, right? That's like a whole thing now. Like there's a, there's an organization called Good Energy Mm -hmm. that they basically teach workshops and for, to writers, like how to, how we can incorporate this more because the reality is that climate crisis is real and we're Mm -hmm. all having to deal with it. So the more we can normalize that and talk about it, I think the more we can, you know, start doing something about it. Right. So, yeah. So ideally, you know, coming in at that phase, because once you, if you come in at that phase when they're like, you know, already talking about in the script and people are excited about it, you get the writers behind it. And then you probably have a director that wants to like support the vision of the writers. Right. So it's like this, this, it becomes like a a topic and a priority from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to really kind of start with some sort of like commitment at that level, it's like, it's this kind of like trickle down effect where it's like you get a producer that is a super, you know, behind trying to, you know, make some kinds of changes. Like if you have those people kind of above the line at the top talent that's interested, then it's way more likely that you will be able to, you know, be successful with your sustainability initiatives because you have right. buy-in from the top and they can kind of basically say this is how we're doing it. And mm-hmm. if they say that's how they're doing it, then you kind of have to try to do it that way. So, right. Um, right. yeah. So ideally, like the earlier, the better. <laughs> the earlier, the better. Yeah. Specifically about your uh, position at Earth Angel, what are you responsible for as a director of uh, business development. You know, it sounds very beautiful. Well, it does sound very beautiful. And actually, it's it's uh, funny that you're, you know, because the timing of this is because I've kind of just entered into this role uh-huh. um, in the last like couple of weeks. So I'm not even totally sure what it is. But, <laughs> you know, I my it's basically, you know, there's so many ways to do what we're doing, which is promoting sustainability in the film and, you know, in the entertainment industry, right? Like that is the bottom line. We just, we really want to help people learn to do this and care about doing this. And the dream at the end is that it's like not sustainable production. It's just production and everybody is already doing it sustainably, which is why it's super important to be like doing this in film schools. And as you're like aspiring filmmakers to be aware of all of the things you can do. But, um, So my role as a business um, development director is really to look for ways that Earth Angel can kind of support these efforts, like in like at a higher level, like sort of with throughout the industry. So connecting with education, educational institutions, policymakers, vendors, studios, it's sort of building these relationships and kind of just talking about all of this work and why it's important and why we need to do this. And, you know, trying to just let people know that we, we are there to try to help them do this. And, and and really it's very kumbaya, but it's very like, we, I have to be in this all together. And it's something that's super cool. And the film industry is something that, you know, is an industry that's been very kind of like secretive and, you know, you always have to sign a non-disclosure for everything, blah, blah. But when it comes to sustainability, there's been like a lot of collaboration from the studios. I mean, the Sustainable Production Alliance is a, 
as a group that actually was um, formed, you know, a while ago, but it's made up of all the big kind of studios and now streamers. And they get together very regularly and talk about solutions. They build tools, they disseminate information all the time. And it's just like, it's, it's really great to see this kind of collaboration at that level because they do have like a lot of influence because they, you know, oversee so many productions. Yeah, it's so it's motivational to hear that because I feel like in this topic it can be quite difficult in the big scheme of things to get downtrodden by the fact that it like you mentioned it a little bit earlier it's like oh if there was this you know perfect way if we all did all the things but I feel like that's also like just talking about climate and storytelling in general and like people between people everyone's trying to be the perfect climate everything mm -hmm. and then as soon as you're not you're ostracized but it's really yeah. like how can we use everyone and everything matters like you said yeah. in whatever way you you can apply you should so it's motivational to hear that there is on that side of the of the coin collaboration and i'm happy to hear that because it is as in so many ways filmmaking and art making is always been a team practice right yep it takes every crew member really to make you know, no matter what size, like, right. It's mm -hmm. like, everybody has a role in the crew and they're very specialized and they're very good at their jobs, but sustainability is really no different. You know, we mm -hmm. don't have sustainability departments in normally mm -hmm. on, on crews. So earth angels kind of served in some ways as sort of like an outsourced sustainability department. Right. But even though we have those, you know, two or three people that kind of help to uh, implement sustainability strategy, it really takes everybody on the crew, right? Mm -hmm. Just like it takes them all to make the movie, it takes them all to make the movie sustainably. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so that's that's something that we are always trying to engage with the crew and talk about, like literally just talk about it, like talk about, because we're not the experts on how to best light a set, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are people that do that. So we need to encourage them to be interested to actually embrace other ways of doing it. So, you know, we can provide some resource, but actually they're the ones that have to really figure out like, well, how can they make this in a way that's like they're increasing their use of LED lighting? Right yeah, or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah. But that—that's the thing that's so interesting about what 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 you guys are doing is you're changing the foundation of a house or a skyscraper or I don't know an apartment building whilst letting it still stand yeah. <laughs> and it's a yep. very delicate game and mm -hmm. it's a an interesting fight to have because it is true like oh i want to create this image it's like okay we can create it this way but how can we create that or better i would better i would hope mm -hmm. but sustainably yeah. and that's also yeah it's both practical and it's also conceptual inspiration to each other yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think people are really realizing a lot more now because, because we've been seeing the impacts more, mm -hmm. I think with the internet and everything, but also like a big, big part of what we do is, is collect data and do reporting and carbon footprints of every production. And now that we have some benchmarks and baselines for like how impactful it really is, it's like, okay, this like, it's not just us like preaching this anymore. Like we can show you that, mm -hmm. you know, this production emitted this many metric tons of CO2 equivalent, which is equivalent to powering 54 homes. You know, so like we have. Yeah, no, I have some sets. written down. Yeah. So let me read them out just so the listeners have an idea. 
because this is a huge part of what Earth Angel does too. Yeah, it's the massive impact of data reports. It's so important. So in this is from September 2022, that a large film production, and what do you define as a large film production? Um, I think, you know, in terms of size, we would base it on budget, right? Okay. So yeah. if it's, you know, more than if it's like around 50 million or more, like mm-hmm. that's like a tenfold production. Yeah. 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 But so those admit 1049.9 metric tons of carbon. Mm-hmm. Put that in perspective, the average car is, I think if you drive an average car for a year, that's 4.6 metric mm-hmm. tons. This is 1049. Yep. They produce 639,000 pounds of waste and 101,000 gallons of fuel are used in the production like that. Like astounding numbers. Mm-hmm. Single-use bottles, 74,000. One, one production. That is the kind of, I mean, when I was researching or when I was starting researching for this, for this project and for this season, those are the things that I really was like, okay, so if I turn on my TV and I watch TV for an hour... I stream TV for an hour. How much did that really cost versus like mm-hmm. also obviously what I mentioned before about us comparing each other to each other, like you took a flight here. Yeah, but you eat meats or, you know, these kind of conversations. We should also be having that about film and TV and our consumption mm-hmm. of streaming, et cetera. What, was it, what is it like collecting this kind of data and how have you seen it play out? Yeah, because I mean, there's some figures that are even higher than that, you know, that mm-hmm. like are literally like double that for like one temple production. But it's, it is a huge, well, I'll just start up by saying it's not science, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, it's not an exact science, right? Because there's a lot of variability in how people are doing carbon accounting in film industry right now. There's like, all different kinds of calculators being used (laughs) and you know because it's regional work right like what you shoot in new york might not have the same it's not it's not operating really on the same mission factors as somewhere like vancouver for example right you know like in vancouver we have 97 percent hydropower so all of our power is renewable so the the number one thing we try to push is to like tie into the grid, use, mm. use the grid power for, for, you know, if you're on location, even, you know, um, which that's where everything gets tricky when you go on location, but it's not the same, right. It's not the mm-hmm. same if uh, impacts that you would see in other places, even within the same country. So that's kind of difficult because, you know, you're using different tools to measure. And also the green production guide, which I think you, you, um, mm-hmm. you know about, that has there's a tool called the production environmental accounting production environmental accounting report so it's called the pair everything's a everything's a fruit <laughs> the pair is basically the standard calculator that the the US studios are using it's it's not perfect it's a start right <laughs> i think yeah um you know there are other calculators out there that are measuring are being used in the film industry, like the Albert calculator that is um, of the UK, the BAFTA developed that one. But again, we're not always measuring the same things. Like we, we have a focus on like waste and energy and fuel mostly, mostly. Right. Mm -hmm. But those are like, you know, very like scope one, scope two, but the film industry is 
so, so very dependent on the supply chain, right? Like it's, it's everything is rented. Like they don't really buy their own, really their assets normally. Right. So those scope three emissions are so great and vast, but they're very unknown. And it's really hard to kind of understand and report on any of those kinds of emissions because those vendors aren't tracking their emissions, right? I mean, sometimes they do and a lot more they would do now. And that's another thing that we always have to do is encourage them to provide reporting to us so that we can incorporate that. Right. Um, because, you know, you want to, you want to try to get as accurate of, of a picture as possible, but it's not always possible. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the data comes to you and it's not usable or it's incomplete. And, you know, it's a, big area that we are trying to really look into and work with production studios to try to standardize like even the way that we collect the information. Right. So yeah, because it just, it's, it's very difficult when it's coming, you know, some shows will have like three different units and then Mm -hmm. you get data for one, but not the other two. So Mm -hmm. like, how does that affect everything? Right. So again, we do the best that we can. But I think we have, there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of like reporting and, and, you know, the methodologies for, for data. Yeah. I kind of want to walk through the workflow. Let's say I come to Earth Angel as a production with Mm -hmm. a project that medium sized money wise, what is the existing infrastructure that in a project that is like not a big tentpole production, but you know, mm-hmm. we'll hit an independent movie, let's say something like that. Yes. What are the I- existing infrastructures that are there that you try to integrate new systems into? Are there a couple that you're like, oh, I, how do you even begin to introduce something to something that exists? Mm-hmm. Um, well, again, it will really vary um, where you are, but if you're in a place like New York or LA or Atlanta or Vancouver or Toronto, uh, where they have somewhat established infrastructure, you know, you're way, you're, <laughs> you're way better off. Um, cause it's going into like places that don't have a lot of infrastructure, especially like that we even know of, you know, what well, we have to go in and like research everything. But like, if we're, if we're going into New York, like we have our vendors, like we have a whole list of, of vendors that we vet very closely and are our constant, you know, communication with them all the time about like, how are they doing things? What are they charging? Like, um, yeah. And what are some of the vendors, for example, um, what are they providing just for people who don't know what a, a vendor to a, to a production might be? Yeah. So, you know, so again, you look at, you, we really try to approach it from looking at the impacts, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the data, across the board for any production of any size, really the number one source of greenhouse gas emissions is always going to be from fuel use, right? So how are they using fuel, right? You know, what types of vehicles are they renting? What type of fuel are they using? Like, are they being efficient and how, you know, how they're using their fleet? And then also, of course, what kind of generators are they using? How are are they trying to explore cleaner options like tying into the grid or the the electric portable units, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Technology is 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 moving rapidly, but it's still pretty, you know, it's still not there, right? Mm-hmm. So like even with the generators, there's been so much, you know, in terms of like bigger, 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 right? And and more power and you know, batteries are very different than 
you know, fuel, obviously they have all their advantages, but in terms of like reliability and like power, they're just not, you know, I have sadly to say that I don't think diesel is going away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's the go-to. That's what everybody knows. That's what they know is reliable, you know, provide enough power for everything that they might need or, you know, they need or they might need. Like the might right. need part is the one that we're trying to focus on because we're trying to say, look at the numbers. Like you don't need that. Right. Like if you, Right. If which you is look, like all about efficiency yeah. and cost saving as well, which is what we love in film as well because yeah. it's expensive undertaking. It's like, where can you yep. cut money? And th- this goes yep. hand in hand with that. Yep. Yep. And it's just, you know, people think that, you know, they're waiting for the latest and the greatest and they're late waiting to electrify everything and everything, you know, but that's not going to happen for a long time. Electrifying all the vehicles and all the generators is, could be decades away. Right. So we look for transitional solutions like cleaner fuels. I mean, one thing that is super straightforward, but like people don't, it's a mental thing kind of, um, it's just, downsizing, right? Like mm. it's just, just like waste, you know, the hierarchy of reduce, reuse, recycle, like that is a, an order, <laughs> you know, that's an <laughs> order of how you're supposed to approach things. So just like reducing what you're buying, like reducing the size of a generator that you mm. need, because if you look at the data from this previous season, you only use this, like, unless you're going to be way, way different setting up your base camp, like you're just going to need this. So mm. Based on that, you could actually have downsized this many times. So let's try it. Like you can, like it's with, you know, with ample like backup power, you can still downsize from the 1200 to the 500 this many times, you know, and that's kind of what we're trying to measure. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to base all of our strategy on data, right? right? So it's not like we're just suggesting it because that that doesn't really get you anywhere. If you're just saying you should do this, like they want to know why they should do what they want to know how, how they should do that. They want to know how much that's going to cost. Right. So that's where we try to, you know, help provide that information using the numbers. Yeah. And with vendor procurement, when we're talking about regional and like going abroad, cause I know that um, earth angels worked in Europe and in South Africa and what you were just saying about grids and connecting to the grid. Do you have any examples of how regional processes differ so much, mm-hmm. like putting New York and LA and the bigger industries aside and how you've navigated finding new vendors or connecting to vendors abroad or yeah. in different locations that are more outside of established um, yeah. systems? Yeah. So I think the UK has really also been very much leaders in sustainable production. BAFTA has really developed, you know, the Albert program is really well done. They have their own calculator, but they also provide carbon action plans. They provide methods for offsetting if that's something that a production might want to do. And they certify in certain, not everywhere, but they will certify um, productions if they can provide, you know, if they perform at a certain level, and then they can also provide documentation that they actually, you know, did those things that they said they were going to do. So it's a pretty rigorous, one of the only auditable sort of certifications or processes that are out there now. Yeah. Um, So we, you know, having worked in the UK, we have partner agencies that we work with that are 
doing amazing things. And so, you know, very, very knowledgeable people, individuals, um, in, you know, in this space and knowledgeable about energy and sustainability and also, you know, applying all of these skills and knowledge to sustainable production. So we're very lucky to be able to work with a lot of those consulting firms that are popping up all over the place. And, you know, we work with partner agencies in South Africa and, you know, France and, and the UK. So, yeah, so it's been a really good experience because you can kind of see how they do things. And a lot of them have their own calculators that they use and you can see, oh, how are they measuring it? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, we learn a lot from them kind of, we kind of uh, knowledge share quite a bit. So it's, it's a very mutual in a mutually beneficial uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. On-site behavior, working with people, is probably the best and the most difficult part of creating anything. As mm-hmm. you said, films are like a moving circus, the show up and the breakdown and all the million different departments. How practically, how does Earth Angel present themselves or represent themselves on a set? And what are maybe some of the behavioral patterns that you're teaching uh, or training and providing uh, to a crew, Mm -hmm. for example, or background or the larger groups of people? Yeah. So our setup for like an on the ground when we're doing, when we're actually servicing a production we will hire what we call eco-representatives, eco-reps for short. And they're actually on the production's payroll, but we find them and we train them and we staff them, right? Okay. So yeah. they don't have to do that, right? It's another thing that we're just like doing for them so that they don't have to worry about it. So we're, we will do that. We also provide all the equipment that you need for waste management so zero waste kits they're called so all the all the bins the bags all that stuff and then train eco reps like how to do that and then how to measure all of that waste and then we're also you know provide the strategy so based on that kickoff meeting and we we you know we will talk about everything and then setting up data collection and then reporting right so mm-hmm. they're those kind of four main buckets but the eco rep is kind of the person that's on the ground working every day, just like another crew member. Mm -hmm. We try to bring on another, at least one or two other people. If we have like days where there's lots of extras or lots of background, because that's just that much more (laughs) waste and stuff to manage. So that's the, you know, that person. Then we also have coordinators that work on several shows in a certain region and then we have a supervisor and those people are internal to Earth Angel, but they're mm-hmm. overseeing multiple regions or multiple productions. Oh, yeah. And then we have this whole backup team at Earth Angel that supports all these different services that we provide. Mm-hmm. And um, just in terms of communication with the crews, it's it's so critical. Like it's it's probably one of the most if not the most important thing that we have to really do is because like I was saying one or two people can't can't make a production sustainable. It literally has to come from everybody. So engaging with the crew, educating, making sure everything's marked so that like it's it's easy to to find where to put something. Or, you know, if someone's interested in like why there is a no idling policy, like we can show them the information 
and share with them. So we're, we, we send memos out. Sometimes we put little reminders on call sheets, like every day, just a little green tip to talk about, you know, something, um, that might be of interest to someone. So just constantly trying to engage. Sometimes we have like little contests where like, we'll kind of get the crew going against each other to see who can be greener. And then they get some sort of like green prize for being, you know, and it doesn't have, I mean, it's, it's cool because like a lot of the crew are very interested and some of them are very passionate and doing that already. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that sometimes the way that things are done and the pace at which things are done are, it just makes it really, really hard to always make the green choice. So, Mm we try to encourage as much as we can. And, um, you know, for the most part, people understand and like having Earth Angel on a set because they feel good that like this show they're working on actually prioritized this and, and did something about it, mm-hmm. which is not the case for like a lot of, a lot of. Right. Versions. Right. What I am interested in also the concept of like a cost benefit analysis yeah. and kind of the structural things that are in place as we talked about with like fuel what are some other things and i think one thing is like community and food and Mm -hmm. i think this is a big part of what you do as well giving back to the local community that you're working in well so this is really critical information because that cost benefit is really like that's the decision maker Mm -hmm. right like if we can show you know the benefit is higher than the cost and dollars. Um, like that is very, very compelling. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're trying always to kind of look at that and study that. And again, it varies so greatly from region to region and vendor to vendor. And, but it's something that's really important. And we do provide cost benefit analyses to productions. And, you know, so we'll look at the business usual costs and then where they can save, right? So like you were saying that electric vehicles, I mean, if you look at the cost to rent a vehicle, an electric vehicle, yeah. it's always more than the non-electric vehicle, right? The ICE vehicle. But if you actually then look at the fuel costs for the gas-powered vehicle, it's it's always, you know, it's not always, but what we see consistently is that the EV is actually the more economical choice. But then you have all these other problems, like where are you going to charge it? Like, it, are you going to run out of juice? Are you, you know, it's the like infrastructure, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 always like that with a sustainability solution. It's like, oh, look how good this is. But then there's all like, all these other things that you have to consider too. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to balance. But understanding things like where you're saving where you might not think of it, especially with fuel, that's a big one. You know, that's, that's something that we have to try to bring to their attention and show them the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, where they're saving the efficiency on all of that. We just actually um, published a report uh, in, as uh, we commissioned a, you know, we were commissioned to do a report with the Canadian Media Producers Association and it's called Towards a Green Premium. And we looked at like three different areas, Mm -hmm. fuel and waste and, um, generators and actually broke down like is there in fact a premium you know for and trying to implement these sustainability initiatives and you know what we found is in many cases there is there there is a premium 
But in some cases, there's actually a savings. <laughs> so that's why instead of just trying to like guess at it, like mm. look at the numbers and really understand what is it going to cost you and what can you afford to do. And with that pot of money that you might set aside to try to, you know, implement some of these things, like how big an impact is that going to have? Because if you're going to spend any money on sustainability, you want it to have be the biggest bang for your buck, right? You want right. to have the biggest impact. And, you know, what we're seeing now is a focus on decarbonizing because the way that they're measuring is by their carbon footprint, right? right. So whatever can bring that down the most, that's mm -hmm. where you want to put your money. And are you finding that productions are also like, oh, I want to become carbon neutral and I I'm, I'm want to like, like there's a really big discussion in Europe at the moment. I don't know how it is in this, uh, in, in Canada with like carbon credits. Mm -hmm. And do you find that that's something that you um, it's not are really running into a, or? It's not really a strategy that we employ, but I know that for certain, you know, frameworks like Albert, mm -hmm. in order to have an Albert certification, you have to purchase offsets, right? So right. that's something, but we don't really, that's not, you know, because yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a whole discussion about it. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I was wondering just because it's a conversation that that I, I find is quite interesting because it's it's the practicalities of what can you do actually versus mm -hmm. what are you still doing rather than like yeah. changing? Does yeah. I mean, I'm not you know, I think there's so many really credible carbon offset programs. I mean, Netflix, you know, that's, they are actually one of the only big streamers or studios that have announced like pu very publicly a carbon neutral targets. Right. Yeah. And a lot of that they have to do is, you know, carbon offsetting. But if you look at their, at what they're doing and the programs that they're investing in, like they're very, actually really great programs. Right. But for other productions and studio, like you don't, you're not sure. Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's all very kind of not, you know, reliable all the time. So it's kind of what we'd rather do is take that money and make real change, like in how we're doing things, you know, and that's, yeah. I mean, that's, I think what Netflix also wants to do, but they're also doing that. So, yeah. you know, we really, uh, our focus is really to kind of change our process, like on the ground. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, so much to talk about, but our time yeah. is sadly coming to an end. Thank you so much for taking the time. I have one last question for you. It's a question for you. What are you looking forward to this year, 2023? Well, it could be this anything apart been... from the cure tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this year has been uh, a bit weird because of the writer's strike, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, you know, there's all this stuff with, you know, sustainability, environmental impacts, but film also has a lot of other impacts too. the social impacts, you know, the equality, diversity, inclusion uh, issues that they're all trying. I mean, there's a lot of things coming down on film yeah. that they need to address just like any other industry. So I think it's very challenging thing from all angles for everybody involved. And with the writer's strike, it's kind of, you know, we really feel for everybody involved in that. And we really feel strongly, I feel strongly personally, that writers should be paid fairly, right? And be paid for the work that they do. Here's one thing is that I keep thinking about this, like we're pushing for sustainability and we're pushing for, for rights. And, but it's kind of like, 
there's so much content that is coming out now, like new, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere, streamers, YouTube, this, that, like, it's like, how can, how are we going to, how are we going to yeah. do all of this? You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. just that itself is not really sustainable, but we have to do it because we're not going to stop it. People want to be expressive. People want to make these, you know, these, these, tell these stories, et cetera. So we got to do it in a better way. And I think like for me personally, my daughter is actually going to film school in the fall. Wow. She's going to be a freshman. Yeah. And so I'm really excited for her because this is where I see hope. And this mm-hmm. is where I see, you know, the path forward is through young people learning how to do it differently. And my my daughter was head of the sustainability club at her school and she's like a huge passionate filmmaker. So I'm like, you know, Mar- you gotta, that like, marriage. Yeah. 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 I'm like, you get, you gotta, you know, I'm like telling her, she's like, no mom, you know, but anyways, like I have hope for, yeah. for, you know, our young people. And there's so many wonderful young people that, you know, are working on these issues, um, you know, young er- entertainment activists, um, and, and so many young people that are leading the charge really. And, yeah. and it's just, it's wonderful. Even at earth angel, we've got amazing, you know, leaders that are, yeah, it's inspirational. And I think that's yeah. a very beautiful note to end on. So mm-hmm. I look yeah. forward to seeing the work that your daughter is going to do. And of course, to follow everything that you're doing. So thank yeah. you for what you do. And thank you for this conversation. Oh, thank you so much. And it was such a pleasure yeah. to talk to you. There's so much more to talk about. But- couldn't be any happier that you join us, Jennifer. Thank you for sharing your wealth of experience, your passion, and all your knowledge with us. Once again, any and all resources that we touched on, plus some links to Jennifer's work, are in the episode notes. Now, if you are in North America and you feel akin to the work of Earth Angel, make sure that you check out their trainings. I've linked those below as well. If you have anything to add or reflect on with us, you can always shoot us an email in her lens podcast at gmail.com or you can join the conversation on Instagram at in her lens podcast. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button or the little bell. There is a brilliant episode coming up next week. I'll see you then. Stay safe and bye bye. <laughs>